Hello again to all my listeners out there. Welcome again to Left at the Light. I'm your host, Matt. Um, yeah, so we got another episode, of course, for you. And uh, I got to tell you, this one is not a business. Um, I know you guys are looking for local businesses, but uh, kind of went in a little bit different direction this season. And this is one of the episodes I've been excited about. And the reason why is because um, in a couple episodes, we're going to talk to people just from the area. And this particular one is uh, a guy I went to high school with who uh, now is competing on American Ninja Warrior every year. Um, he's been like literally just like on the show. They've pr- shown his run a couple times, done pretty well as well. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm talking to him. And uh, another cool thing about him, and if you don't watch the show, he is the uh, Canine Ninja. Uh, the reason for the canine ninja part is is that he also has a foundation called Wallace the Pitbull Foundation, which is uh, fostering dogs. And there's some great information on that and an interest is, interesting story behind that, too, that we will get into, as well as his uh, time on American Ninja Warrior. Uh, his episode for this current season has not aired yet. So I, I don't even know how he did on the show yet. He was not allowed to tell me. So um, I'm going to find out same time you guys are going to find out when the episode is on uh it's going to be towards the end of june uh i'll give you the date uh on the back end of the episode um so uh I, the other thing i wanted to get into real quick is um well two things really so uh, my last episode was uh with Danspiration, which was which is my daughter's uh dance studio that she is taking dance at and uh I believe during that episode, we were kind of talking about the recital that was coming up and we weren't hundred percent sure what was going to happen at the time. Uh, a lot of these episodes, including this one, um, I, I did the interview months ago um, and I'm putting them together uh, now ish. Um, but that, that particular episode of day inspiration, uh, we were talking about the recital and uh, we did have the recital. It was actually today. Uh, it was outdoors in Cary um, at Lions park and it was like rainy and then it got really hot. So like the left side of my body is probably going to have a burn on it because the sun was on my left side. Um, and we were out there for a while, but it was amazing to, uh, see a dance recital again and, uh, you know, see my kid dance again. And I, I'm going to pause real quick. I'm just gonna, looking at something. Okay. I was kind of wondering when the, uh, episode of American Ninja Warrior was coming on. Um, and I just got a message back from Andrew just now. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so the dance recital did happen, uh, and it was fun, and it was great to see all the other dancers again as well. So uh, that was great. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to uh, talk about real quick is like you know, doing this podcast has been totally uh, 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 just a f- lot of fun, a lot of different experiences. Um, I'm getting to meet a lot of people that I probably would not have met otherwise. Uh, that including, um, I, I just did, uh, well, I did an author, um, and I just talked to a band this past week. So that's pretty cool. Those will be in future episodes, uh, that you'll hear. Um, and as I've been around town and talked to people and they found out that I do the podcast, they have said hello and give me some great comments. And so the people who I've, I've talked to that knew that met me and they're like, Oh, you're from the podcast and everything. Thank you. I appreciate all the comments. It's still weird to hear um, or talk to people when they know the podcast and start to say, you know, uh, give me great comments back and stuff, how much they like it and how cool of an idea they think all this is. Um, 
uh, my reaction is still that of like, oh, thanks. And I have no idea what to say back to you guys. So uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to say that on the podcast because I know you're going to hear it. I very much appreciate it. Um, please keep sharing the episodes. Keep telling people about the, about the podcast. It, it means so much to me. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let you hear from myself and more from uh, Andrew Rue, R-O-O, Rue, Yori, uh, uh, from American Ninja Warrior and um, the Wallace the Pitbull, Pitbull Foundation. There you go. All right. A lot of words. Thank you, guys. All right. So, um, Andrew, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing well. So, um, are, are we going Andrew? Are we going Rue? Like, Either what's one, your preference? Uh, I think most people know me by Rue. Um, I think people at work call me Andrew. So, uh, I'm good with Rue. This is pretty casual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, I and I, I'll probably say it in the intro, but we went to high school together, um, Chris Lake Central. What year did you graduate? 95. 95. Okay. I was 97. So you had a couple of years on me. Yeah. Um, so uh, for the people that don't know uh, Andrew Rue, um, I, I remember this guy mainly from football games, kind of running around with the orange shirt on, um, kind, kind of being a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those are some fun times. I'd always get a uh, face paint and, uh, you know, make my own Crystal Lake Central Tigers uh, you know, t-shirts and whatnot and had fun with that. So, so, uh, let's talk about like, um, after high school. So what happened after high school? Uh, I actually got to go play soccer at St. Mary's university in Winona. Uh, I wasn't really planning on playing soccer after high school, but, uh, there's the head coach, Brad Hodder was actually from, um, uh, that area that we went, that we lived in and he, Got a head coach position up in Winona, Minnesota, and I went to a soccer camp with him, and he kept my registration card. And right as before, yeah, right before I was gonna send in my confirmation to Northern Illinois University, uh, I got a phone call, and he's like, "Yeah, I remember you from soccer camp. I just got this coaching job. Just wondering if you want to come play soccer for me." And I was like, "Where?" You know? And he said, "Winona, Minnesota." I was like, "Where's that?" <laughs> <laughs> small little town right on the Mississippi and I uh, went and checked it out and uh, fell in love with it. It's a great, great school. Um, like I said, it's right on the Mississippi. So it's pretty cool. And that's uh, part of the background of the campus is the bluffs. Um, you know, you could go hiking back there. They had a good biology program, which is what I was planning on going to school for. And uh, so, you know, took the chance. He's the only person that I knew going into college. So, um, but uh, definitely glad I, I went there. It was, it was a good choice. And um yeah had a good four years there for sure actually six years because i stayed two years after to coach soccer after i graduated so oh okay very nice um yeah. so you ended up going to school for biology yep okay yep yeah and then uh nail clinics right down the street um from winona in rochester minnesota so i uh, figured i have a biology degree mayo clinics right there i put in an application and got hired as a clinical tech in a molecular genetics lab and spent most of my career uh, at the Mayo Clinic now. So it's, it's a great place. Um, I really enjoy Minnesota, except for 
about January to February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm not a winter guy. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, so I just kind of hunker down. But other than that, it's uh, been pretty good. Yeah, the winters um, I, I very similar to here, but probably um, a little bit harder. Yeah, a little bit. You know, um, we're south south Minnesota, we're southern Minnesota. You know, southeastern. So uh, it's not horrible. It's not like up, you know on the border of Canada. They get a lot more snow, a lot colder. Um, but you know, it's it's the Midwest. It's upper Midwest. You know, it, it's gonna it's gonna get below zero. That's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you've been at the Mayo Clinic for how long then? Oh, uh, I got my first job there in 2001. So 20 years almost. I took a little bit of a hiatus around 2009 and I got an offer to go uh, do pit bull rescue full time out in New York. Um, so I, I thought that was really cool. Went out there, unfortunately. Um, didn't work out. I didn't really appreciate the, the work atmosphere. and. Uh, uh, you know, which made a, a cool job, not a good experience. So uh, Clara, my wife and I ended up coming back to Minnesota, got back in at the, at the Mayo Clinic um, around 2011 and been there ever since. Yeah, so you do the, the pit bull rescue. Um, so when did your uh, love for dogs start? So I always loved dogs uh, when I was growing up, um, but never had one. Um, you know, when I... Got my own place. Um, my now wife and I, you know, we actually fostered a dog for my boss because we had one of the consultants from the lab move to Minnesota from Texas and they were building a house and they couldn't have their dog in their apartment. And so we let them know that we could take care of the dog, you know, while the house was getting built and they would come over and visit and stuff. But we figured it was a good chance for us to test it out, right? You know, so it's like if it, it didn't work out, if you know it wasn't for us, then the dog would be going back home. And um, you know, if it was, then once the dog went back home, we'd be able to, you know, get our own. And and we loved it. Uh Jazz was an amazing dog, uh so cool. And so once Jazz went back with her family, we went to the shelter and we knew that we wanted to adopt a dog. Um, we just wanted a dog, you know, to hang out with and, and be part of a family. And um, we knew that there are a lot of dogs in shelters that, you know, needed a home. So we met a lot of dogs because unfortunately there are a lot of dogs there and we narrowed it down to two and I was leaning one way, Clara was leaning the other. Neither one of us could convince the other <laughs> to go with our choice. And so we did the only logical thing that we could think of. We asked if they got along and they did. And so we adopted both of them. The, so the shelter was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, <laughs> give it a shot. So um, they're really cool. They, they're best friends from day one. Uh, Ajax was like a Heinz 57 mutt. Like who knows what he was. Angus was like a lab mix, but you know, I don't know, there's maybe some German Shepherd hound or something in there, uh, Doberman, who knows, but um, they're just two mutts that uh, got along great and kind of kick-started our passion for saving shelter dogs. And like I mentioned, we met a lot of them. We couldn't adopt all of them. And so when we adopted our two, we still started to volunteer with the shelter to at least help the dogs that we couldn't adopt, try to have that same you know, forever home ending uh, that Ajax and Angus were able to get. So, and that just, that was in, I think, 2002. And 
just kind of dove in at that point and have been involved ever since. Okay. So um, it, obviously it led to you starting your, your own foundation. How did that get started and become your, one of your things? <laughs> yeah. So um, when my wife was working at the shelter and I was volunteering there, there was a pit bull that came in there. Uh, they named him Wallace and he was pretty energetic, um, wasn't doing well in that environment. It can be a pretty stressful environment. Um, and so um, we, he was, he was causing some trouble. Like he was a tough dog and the shelter was thinking that he might need to be euthanized because they were considered him a bit of a liability. They had a point to be honest, but uh, my wife and I fell in love with them anyway. And so we, we were able to take him in as a foster with the thought that, you know, maybe he would be better behaved outside of that stressful environment and we'd be able to find him a home, right? So we initially took him in as a foster dog um, that he, he didn't, he didn't really change much. <laughs> so, uh, you know, our, our grand plan of, oh yeah, we'll, we'll get him a home didn't necessarily happen. But through all that, we found out that he liked to play Frisbee and by chance, turned out there was a local guy named Josh who was starting a club for dogs to catch frisbees, and we got involved. Um, and it kind of just was this fluke thing a little bit, but we both loved it. Wallace absolutely loved to play frisbee. Um, I enjoyed it. It gave me something to do. Um, you know, it was a bit of an athletic endeavor on my part too. And so we started competing in frisbee dog competitions, which I had no idea even existed. Um, but we. Uh, yeah, we started competing there, uh, did pretty well. We became uh, national and world champions in the sport of canine flying disc. And just because Wallace was a pit bull was a bit unique. Pit bulls weren't really known to be Frisbee dogs. You know, most of them are Border Collies, cattle dogs, Australian Shepherds, the herding breeds. And so it was really cool going out there with Wallace and showing a bit of a different spin on pit bulls. Um, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes, a lot of negative stuff out there. Um, which, you know, we need to take into consideration, but the vast majority of the dogs out there are, are not making news, you know, they're, they're good dogs. And so I wanted to be able to showcase that. And Wallace had a huge impact with that just because people who were scared of pit bulls or didn't like them would stop us and want to meet him after watching us play Frisbee. Cause it was like, you know, just kind of showcased him as a dog, you know, and they're like, I didn't know pit bulls could play Frisbee. And I was like, well, Pit bulls are dogs and dogs play frisbee. So, like, you know, what's the big, what's the big deal? So, um, so yeah, we had a great career. Um, Wallace got a huge following, and um, also through that, uh, the year that we actually won the national championship for the uh, Purina Pro Plan Incredible Dog Challenge um, was the year that Michael Vick got arrested for dog fighting, and I had seen the impact that Wallace had on people because. I could sit there and tell my opinion and other people would have their opinion. And when we discuss things, it wouldn't really change their opinion. Right. So, but when they met Wallace and they saw Wallace and they experienced Wallace, um, that had a much better impact and at least allowed us to have a better conversation about it. Right. And I knew that just because of who Michael Vick was and the situation, there was going to be a lot of eyeballs on those dogs as well. And that I thought it was really important that if they were safe, if those dogs were able to, you know, maybe be adopted, maybe not all of them, some of them, I don't know, but I thought it'd be really a good, a good chance to maybe 
showcase a little bit more of the story um, rather than what a lot of people thought. Because up until that point, it was just, um, it was deemed, those dogs were deemed automatically vicious. And they were just assumed that they were, they were unsafe um, and they're all euthanized once the court case was done. So um, Hector and some of the other dogs proved otherwise. Hector became a certified therapy dog. He lived with all of our other dogs. Like he integrated into our family really well. And, um, you know, he was able to showcase that there's maybe a little bit more to that story. Some of the dogs were affected more and they needed more time to, you know, um, to recover and heal and, you know, or they needed a different situation, but it just shows that dogs are individuals just like we are. We all have our own experiences, our own thresholds. And so, um, you know, it was, it was really cool to, to, to do that or to, to showcase that with both Hector and Wallace. Unfortunately, dogs don't live as long as we, you know, would like. And so in 2013 is when Wallace passed away, I believe, and uh, Hector, I believe, in 2014. So they're about a year apart. And both dogs had these rather large followings. Um, you know, Wallace has like 600,000 likes on his Facebook page. Hector has like 200,000 likes on his Facebook page, you know, and... I wanted to continue their stories, right? So yeah, the dogs weren't around, but I wanted to keep their stories going and I wanted to leverage those platforms to continue to help the dogs that are still needed today because, you know, unfortunately there are still dogs in shelters. There are still dogs being abused, still dogs being fought, you know? And so I wanted to continue to help those dogs today because, you know, just because just Wallace and Hector had a good life, you know, I, I know there's others out there that need help as well. So. That's why I created Wallace the Pitbull Foundation. So, um, I, you know, I named it after Wallace in honor of him. And I've utilized both Wallace and Hector's stories to raise money and to support a lot of cool programs that I know are out there helping people and dogs in their communities. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of the, the high level view of, of what we're doing. And recently we were able to purchase uh, a van that I was able to get insulated and I put some kennels in there. We wrapped it with really cool Wallace the Pitbull Foundation graphics and we've been helping with transports. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've been doing that since September and there's areas down South like Missouri. This, this particular transport takes dogs from Missouri and brings them up into kind of upper Midwest areas where it's, there's not as many dogs available for adoption. And so there's more homes available where down South, they're likely euthanized due to overpopulation. And so we've been trying to be involved with that and bringing them up North so that these dogs don't get euthanized and actually find a home. So kind of redistributing a little bit, especially now with the pandemic, because so many people adopted a dog, which is awesome, but actually in certain areas now it's, it's, challenging uh to adopt a dog because there aren't as many available which is a good thing like you know i kind of always want to put myself out of business if you will <laughs> but um because then that means no dogs need help and we're good to go but um but now there are still areas that are suffering with overpopulation and irresponsible breeding and all that kind of stuff so we're, we're doing what we can to kind of redistribute those dogs and get them into areas that there are people that are wanting to adopt and, and help them out and uh, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, that, 
I mean, that's great what you're doing. And um, I, I do want to touch on something that you mentioned is that just the reputation of pit bulls um, is so negative. We, we have a, a mixed breed pit bull ourselves, And I know like if we take her for a walk, some people are a little bit leery, but like, like as, as I think it depends on who raises them, how you raise them. And I, with my dog, uh, Carly, like if you start petting her, she'll love you forever. She loves yeah. it. You know, and I, I think that's that is something that definitely needs to be said that, you know, not all dogs are bad just because of their breed. It's it's how they're raised, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Things are getting better, but there's, there's still a lot out there. And, you know, it's it's interesting how we always try to simplify very complex situations in my mind. Like everybody think that oh, it's because of the breed, you know, they'll, they'll like focus on one thing. Mm. And it's like dogs are very complex creatures. Like they have emotion, you know, it's just like us, there's nature versus nurture, you know, um, and there's a whole lot of variables that go into who that dog is, right? And to, to try to define any one dog by one variable in a very complex situation is it's just not accurate so um you know it, it's it's been good to try to to educate people and, and showcase that and and i always give the example actually because uh i have hector who was rescued from the michael vick dog fighting case scars all down his chest like missing some teeth raised in a dog fighting world right now wallace who was raised with another dog um, from a puppy, turned into the shelter, never experienced the dog fighting world or whatever, never encouraged to fight with other dogs. One of them was actually dog aggressive and one of them wasn't. And if you look at that, you're like, well, most people would say, oh yeah, Hector coming from the dog fighting world with the scars is gonna be dog aggressive where Wallace, you know, being raised from a puppy wasn't. And it's actually the opposite. Like Wallace actually had to be managed around dogs his entire life. Whereas Hector was like really good with other dogs and we could have, he had tons of dog friends when he came over, Claire would take him for walks with her dog walking clients. And, you know, so it's like, we don't always know, you know, those stereotypes don't always fit and yeah. uh, it's not always that easy. So, um, so uh, as far as uh, Hector, uh, when you went to get him, I know it was like really something that like at the time couldn't be talked about where the dogs went and all that. Um, what was that experience uh, like as far as taking a dog from such a high profile thing? Yeah, so they, there was a bit of a, of a gag order uh, throughout, the, um, throughout the case, right? Um, I think it was about six months that the rescues couldn't really um, announce anything. And I wasn't very, I wasn't involved at all actually with the actual rescue of the dogs, but I knew I had some connections or some relationships with some of the rescues that did take the dogs. And one of them was Bad Rap. They're out of California, kind of the Bay Area in, in California. And I knew that they had taken some dogs. For me, um, we were already rotating Wallace because like I said, he didn't really get along with our other dogs. And so I didn't want another dog that didn't get along with their other dogs. Yeah. And so uh, since I, I knew them, I reached out to them. I said, here, here's my situation. If you have a dog that's good with other dogs, um, you know, let me know. And I consider adopting it. This was after the 
they could announce that they had the dogs and you know what you know that they were up for adoption and everything and um they settled on on Hector and they said you know I think Hector could be a good fit for you um I was a little hesitant myself just because I saw the scars even myself you know that that's trying to be an advocate for the dogs you know I was like he's got scars he's got a lot of scars like he's been through some stuff and you're you know you're still letting me know that that he's he's good with our dog you sure he's gonna be good and they're like yeah he's great so um I went out to meet him saw him interact with some dogs and was just fell in love with him and so then uh, came back to Minnesota, talked it over with Clara, and we said, let's, let's do it. So um, we brought him, we adopted him, got him back out here to Minnesota, and uh, he was such a cool dog. Um, you know, yeah, he is, he is just, he was very solid temperament, just regardless of where he came from. And then you, you know, you put that into it. We were, uh, we went on the, I think it was the CBS early show you know, live national TV, lights, camera, he just walked onto the set like, hey, what's up, <laughs> you know, welcome to my world, you know, <laughs> so walking down streets in New York City, just like, yep, this is, this is my, this is my town, you know, so um, it, was, it was, he was a cool dog, it was a really cool experience. Yeah, that's very cool, so, uh, so Wallace the Pitbull Foundation, um, you've had that going for how long now? Yeah, we started right after Wallace passed away. So, um, you know, it's probably about five, six years now. Okay. Um, how many dogs have you uh, fostered? Um, we haven't fostered too many. We did, uh, we were starting to foster some dogs after Hector passed away. So there's a really cool organization actually out of Chicago, Safe Humane Chicago. Um, and they work with Chicago Animal Care and Control. There was um, a time where just like dogs from the fighting situations, like in Chicago, when the dogs would be seized from um, court cases, right? So if, if let's say the, the owner is arrested and the dog doesn't have anywhere to go, or it's a dog fighting situation, the dogs are confiscated for one reason or another, they're part of that court case then. And then it used to be whenever that court case was done, the dogs were automatically euthanized. So Safety Humane Chicago worked to have a, a get a program they call it the court case dog program to where now those dogs can be evaluated. And if they, you know, they're they pass the temperament test, if they if their evaluation goes well, then they can go into the court case dog program, they can be pulled by another rescue, fostered and adopted out. So that was kind of the same situation that Hector was in, right? So he was he was part of that court case system right and so we wanted to kind of honor that and so we started fostering through there uh, we fostered maybe three three dogs through there um did did great got them adopted um johnny our one dog right now um actually went and got adopted but their current dog um, once they got in the home started targeting johnny and so unfortunately like the, the people felt really bad. And, and unfortunately that happens sometimes. We had a meet in our backyard and everything was good. But then once the dogs got into their home, their other dogs started going after Johnny. And we're just like, it's, you know, we didn't want to put either dog in a bad situation. So um, Clara didn't really want to give Johnny up in the first place. So then when Johnny came back, um, she's like, I'm not going through that again. And he stayed. So but that kind of took our foster 
uh, spot, if you will. So I, you know, I let her know, I was like, you know, we, we can only have so many dogs. If, you know, we adopt Johnny, then we probably aren't going to be able to foster too much. So uh, we stopped fostering there a little bit. We've fostered a couple since. So, but we used to foster a little bit more through when we were uh, involved with the shelter. So I'd say, you know, 15 to 20 dogs. So, um, you know, not a ton, mm -hmm. but um, we, you know, continue to try to support people. And, and we're kind of on the, the side where we're out there trying to bring awareness to it, right? So um, I'm out there now uh, on American Ninja Warrior. So, and I'm trying to, you know, use that platform to raise raise awareness and and raise money and kind of do some of that background stuff um, instead of some of the hands-on stuff right now. So, yeah. Hey, it's Erica with McHenry County Living. If you're like me, you're always wondering what's going on this weekend? Where are we going to take the kids? What kind of shows and events and festivals are coming up? Well, look no further than The Weekender. It comes out every first Wednesday of the month. All you have to do is subscribe at mchenrycountyliving.com slash The Weekender. I, I appreciate the transition to American Ninja Warrior. That's where yeah. I wanted to go next. <laughs> Um, yeah. So when did when did your um, journey on American Ninja Warrior start? Yeah, that was um, it started kind of just before Wallace and Hector passed away. So um, Wallace Wallace was had cancer, and um, you know we he had, he had retired. So I was trying to figure out something to do. Um, I just happened to see American Ninja Warrior on TV. And I thought oh, that looks pretty cool, right? So, um, and just just kind of a personal thing. I was like, I've always loved obstacle courses. Um, I don't know, it just looked fun to me. And so I was like, that that maybe yeah, I could see, you know, maybe trying out for that show one day. Uh, I started to train and actually um, got a really bad concussion and like was out for about a year um, as a result. And because I slipped off a pull-up bar, flipped upside down, I wasn't using crash pads or anything like that. So I cracked my head on the ground and completely unresponsive. Fall my way back. So fortunately came back pretty good now. Um, but uh, in that time is when like Wallace passed away and Hector passed away and I created the foundation, but I was struggling with how to have that kind of impact now that Wallace and Hector weren't there anymore, right? Because I couldn't make Frisbee dog videos anymore because Wallace wasn't around. I couldn't go to events and have people meet Hector because he wasn't around anymore. And I made it about the dogs because that's what I, I need. It's, that's what it needed to be. And that's what I wanted people to experience was Wallace and Hector. But now that they're not around, like, I'm not that cool, right? <laughs> so I was a guy on the other end of the leash, like the, the the true fans and whatever, like appreciated what I did, but just not the same. Like we went to events because people wanted to see Wallace and Hector, you know? We were popular on social media because I could post content of Wallace and Hector, right? So once they're not there, I was like, how do I move forward? I, I created Wallace Pitbull Foundation. Things are going well there, but it just didn't feel like had the same impact. So um, I kind of remembered American Ninja Warrior. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply for that. And it has absolutely nothing to do with dogs at all, right? <laughs> so it's just trying to conquer the hardest 
obstacle courses that exist. But mm -hmm. I noticed that, you know, they would highlight some of the backstories of, the, of some of the athletes. And I was like, what if I could actually get on that show? Nobody had really had a, a really strong dog backstory, right, of any of the contestants. So it's like, it's a TV show. They're going to want different stories, that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know, it's, it's true to who I am. It could be a huge platform, you know, to raise awareness. They have millions of viewers. And I was like, if this could happen, why not? You know, and I said, I'm just going to give it a shot. There's, I wasn't necessarily expecting to get the shot, but fortunately I did. There's tens of thousands of applicants every year. They only pick like five to 600. Um, but fortunately I was chosen for season eight of American Ninja Warrior back in 2016. And um, I just kind of went with it, right? I, I dubbed myself the Canine Ninja. Um, <laughs> we can't have any logos or anything like that. So I just wore a shirt that said adopt a dog because that's what I wanted people to do. Um, you know, I kind of created this whole dog theme. I had my friends and family in the, in the uh, stands barking my name, Rue, like, you know, so it sounded like just a bunch of people barking, but they're cheering for me, you know, and so, um, and fortunately, I did really well my first year. I, I made it to the Vegas finals uh, at 39 years old. Pretty proud of that. 39-year-old yeah. rookie. Um, and I've uh, been fortunate to be invited back every year since. And we just filmed season 13 qualifiers. Um, and yeah, so this will be my sixth season as the Canine Ninja on American Ninja Warrior, which is crazy to me. Um, but loving it, having fun, and it's been a really great experience and a really great platform to, to continue to spread the awareness and, and make people aware that these dogs are there because I think, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't think of the shelters and the rescues when, you know, they're thinking about adding a dog to their family. They'll maybe see these cute puppies on Craigslist or something like that from people that just didn't didn't spare new to their dog or whatnot, you know, or had an accident in a litter and, and those those dogs need help too, but um, you know, it's we want to make sure that we're not perpetuating the system or the the issue as well, you know, and we're acquiring dogs through responsible means and through the rescues and the shelters that are out there and through breeders that guarantee their dogs and and take responsibility for the, their dogs if they don't work out. So yeah, so it, it's cool to uh, see the story when I think you it's like really been told like in depth twice on the yeah. show. Um, and so that's really kind of cool to see, especially like I, I'm obviously a lover of dogs with having two. I grew up with dogs. And, um, and then to uh, see I, if you're not familiar with American Ninja Warrior, the obstacles are just insane. I mean, yeah. you're, you're jumping from a platform and basically grabbing onto something the size of a tennis ball and yeah. holding yourself there and like doing some some of the obstacles are nuts. I don't know. How do you yeah. train for those? Yeah, it's a good question. So I'm actually building a backyard rig finally, but um, you know, that's, that's the huge question because the obstacles are kept secret. So we have no idea what they're going to be until we show up to do them. And we only get one shot uh, without any practice. So it's not like we get to run the course and see how they are. It's like we get the rules so we get to walk past them and they tell us the rules of each one. They give us a demo and then we got to run it. And if you fall, that's it. That's your shot. If you yeah. make it through, then you're on to the next round. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's very challenging. 
the hardest ones are always the obstacle or the balance obstacles um, because those spin and tilt and you never really understand how fast they're going to spin or how slow they're going to spin or how much they're going to tilt until you're on them. <laughs> and yeah. then you guess wrong, uh, you're in the drink and you're in the water and it's not warm water and you're done. So, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun, you know, keeps me motivated to keep working out and stay healthy and, and do all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's challenging. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when there's something like a completely new obstacle. It's obviously like there's some that are shown. I, I watched the show, <laughs> yeah. but there's some that are shown um, quite often like this. That was it the salmon ladder and a few others that are kind of regulars on the show, but then there's, they throw a brand new one at you. Yep. I, I mean, yep. And how, they, do you, how do you deal? Yeah. They come up with new obstacles every single year. You know, they have the staples, the warp wall, salmon ladder, um, some type of steps, you know, uh, for the very first one. But yeah, all the stuff in between is uh, they'll, they'll reuse some obstacles um, from maybe from the previous year a little bit. But, you know, they've been coming up with new obstacles every single year. Um, and that's the challenge for us. You know, we have to figure it out right there. You know, we can there are certain skills that you can, you know, kind of pull from, you know, you're going to have to lache probably, which is where you, you know, swing from one bar, launch yourself through the air and catch something, you know, you need to know how to launch yourself through the air to catch something, but like, you don't know what that thing is you're going to need to catch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it could be a cannonball. It could be a bungee cord. It could just be a bar. It could be a bar that moves um, that's connected to the one that you just launch yourself from. So you don't even know where it's going to be. And you just kind of have to like, figure it out in midair as you're going towards it. So, uh, yeah, they've, and they've gotten pretty, uh, intricate with some of these, uh, some of the obstacles, uh, that they've been able to come. ATS does a great job. Uh, production company is awesome. So, uh, it, it, it's fun. It, it's cool to see what they come up with every year and then to see if we can figure it out. And, and when you get across it into that next platform, feel pretty good about yourself. I will say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is it like falling from an obstacle into that water? Uh, it's cold. It's disappointing. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah, I would say those are the two things, you know, um, it's one thing if like, I think in my second season, um, I just burned out. Like I just didn't necessarily have the grip endurance to, to make it through the obstacle where I fell. And that's one thing, you know, it's like, all right, I just need to get better. You know, I, I, I did a good job. I did what I could and it just wasn't good enough. Um, but then you have the times where when I was in Minneapolis and it was like, I made it through to the city finals and on the city finals, I think it was the third obstacle. I just jumped up to grab the first ring just to get on the obstacle and just fluke missed it. Right. And then I, so I just totally missed the first grab on an easy ring and fell in. And those are the times we're just like, oh, it's just disappointing. Um, you know, cause you know, you could have done a lot better. You knew you should have went through and then to be punished with ice cold hose water yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's tough, but, and now I have a little bit extra pressure on myself too, because so I use, the course to raise money for Wallace the Pitbull Foundation now. Mm -hmm. And so I have a fundraiser that people can pledge money 
to every, for every obstacle that I complete. And so now when I fall and it's because either I made a mistake, then I feel like I left some money on the table for the dogs, right? Mm -hmm. And so a little extra motivation for me, but then a little extra disappointment if I do fall. But regardless, um, I usually can make it through some of them and, and raise money, which is some is more than none, right? So it's always a, it's always a good thing overall. So I, after you uh, fall, you have to get out of that water and then go talk about it yeah. in that little exit interview. And I, you know, credit to all the athletes on there is they're always like very happy, obviously disappointed, but like putting a smile yeah. on their face um, yeah. and be like, all right, this is going to be recorded for TV. Now I got to talk about how I didn't go as far as I wanted to go. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How, how, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, it's challenging. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of emotions, a lot of stuff going on. And you're like, you fall in, you got a camera right there. Like, what happened? And you're like, I don't know, I don't know what happened sometimes. Like, yeah. <laughs> still trying to figure out why I fell, um, you know, because it all happened so fast. But, you know, ultimately, you just got to keep things in perspective, right? You know, um, to me, this is a huge playground. Um, this isn't how I'm paying my bills. This is what I'm doing you know, on the side to, to have some fun. Uh, it's a great community. Um, you know, the Ninja community is, is, is just a bunch of good people. Um, you know, we're cheering for each other. It's one of the few places where we're competing against each other, but we're also cheering for each other because anybody can hit a buzzer and move on, right? So we're all like just trying to beat the course, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, if you fall, you just you try to figure out why you fell, train that, so then hopefully you don't fall again next year, and enjoy, enjoy the experience and just have some fun with your friends. So. Yeah, I, I did want to mention that as well. Is, um, you know, the community of of the Ninja Warriors um, seems pretty tight knit. Are you guys kind of talking about the courses that you know when you're going through them? Be like, hey, should you do this, or here's a tip on this one. You know. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. We're all like, kind of strategizing behind the scenes and. You know, we're like, oh, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? You know, because none of us really know, <laughs> you know, because yeah. we're all getting the information at the same time, um, you know, but yeah, so it's, we, we're trying to help each other out. We want to see each other do well. And I don't want to, I don't want to beat somebody because they fell early. I want to beat somebody because I beat them, you know, <laughs> because yeah. we were both at our best and, and I was able to, to come out on top. Right. Um, but ultimately, the, the ultimate goal is just to hit the buzzer and complete the course itself. And mm -hmm. if you can do that, you move on regardless. So, you know, there's that element that if we all hit the buzzer, we all move on, right? Mm -hmm. So let's help as many people hit that buzzer. And it's more like the athletes versus the course versus, instead of athletes versus athletes. So just it's, it's cool. I, I appreciate that. And it's been a lot of fun being a part of it. Uh, I noticed that a lot of the uh, ninjas have um, like their kind of their own group, like I, mm -hmm. like the wolf pack or I, I don't remember all the names of them. Um, are you a part of like one of those? Do you have like a group that you kind of train with? Yeah, um, kind of. Uh, I'm a bit of a, a, a lone lone wolf, if you will. Um, lone dog. <laughs> yeah, lone yeah lone dog. Um, there's uh, I, so I'm down in Rochester, which is about an hour and a half south of the twin cities there's a bunch of ninja gyms up in the twin cities mm -hmm. and so i i try to get up there a little bit here and there um to train with, with that group um but 
it's just far enough where, you know, kind of tough to get up there after work um, on the weekend or weekdays. And so uh, I just kind of do my own thing a lot here in Rochester. Um, fortunately, uh, there was a guy that got called for this season of American Ninja Warrior that lives in Rochester. And there's another guy that uh, from the CrossFit gym that I go to, he's interested as well. Um, he's been actually helping me build my backyard ninja rig. So okay. I think I'm starting to form a little group. I had a, a little group prior to that, maybe a year or two ago, but then those two guys had to move away, unfortunately. So then I went back to just being me and, you know, having fun on my own off in the corner of the CrossFit gym, doing these weird things as everybody else is doing the normal workout. But <laughs> fortunately the coaches and owner understand that my training needs to be a little different. And uh, like, as long as you don't kill yourself, we're good. Uh, <laughs> and so I try to make it safe there. Um, but it, it's challenging because uh, the people that can train in an actual ninja gym, uh, you know, they, they, they have an advantage in my opinion, because, you know, they can train a lot of the things that it's not going to be exactly the same, but it's going to be similar, you know? And um, so that's why I'm building the rig in my backyard because uh, it's been challenging keeping up with, everybody who has uh, a ninja gym to train at. Um, now they're allowing teens to come in there. They lowered the age limit to 15 this year. So you're going to oh, see wow. 15 year olds on the course for season 13. And these kids, if you do the math, they were growing up with Ninja Warrior. So like yeah. while I was playing soccer, I was training for soccer. Uh, these kids have been training for Ninja Warrior and now they're getting their shot. So uh, it's, it's pretty amazing um, what they're capable of, you know. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a fun season. You know, they a lot of these kids are and I can call them kids because to me they are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like a third of my age, um, you know, but uh, they're competing with the top levels, top level athletes at the local competitions. So uh, it'll be, it'll be cool to see what they can do on the big stage. That, that's crazy to have 15 year olds on that course. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. But th this is what they've been doing. Like they dedicate their time to training Ninja warrior, you know, like I was going to soccer practice a couple times a week after school, you know, they're, they're yeah. going to the Ninja gym a couple times after a couple times a week after school and competing on the weekend at the local competitions and doing all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a new generation for sure. Yeah, there was a, I think last year, the 18 year old that was literally nicknamed the kid who like just tore yeah. the whole thing apart. Like it was, yep. I thought he was going to just win the whole thing his first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's amazing. So, and you're, you're seeing that generation come through now. So it'll be, it'll be, it's going to be a cool season. Um, as far as like when someone comes on American Ninja Warrior, is it just a rule that their name has to include the word ninja? Oh, <laughs> uh, it helps. I think they don't miss the, yeah. So we all kind of have our, our story, right? And it's just kind of a, a fun way to, to as, an, as a nickname, I guess, fun way to, you know, get a nickname and have people remember why you're there, you know. Um, some people have a cause like I do, you know, uh, which is great to be able to promote that. But then uh, some people are just, you know, having fun with it, like, um, um, cake ninja you know he likes to eat cake and yeah <laughs> uh, you know so <laughs> so it's cool um just fun nicknames you know help things stick and people remember you and, and kind of why you're there 
Um, so you had mentioned that you got to the Las Vegas finals. Uh, now, for anybody who doesn't really know this progression, how far into the show is that and how far is it to the end of the show is that? Yeah, so the Las Vegas finals is kind of the, the finals, if you will. Um, but there's multiple stages at Vegas. So you start out, it used to be where it was city qualifiers. So and everybody that gets invited to the show runs the city qualifier. It's about usually 100 to 120 people for every city. And then the top 30 of that group move on to the city finals. And if you hit a buzzer, you automatically go on. Typically, 30 people don't hit a buzzer, though. And so they take whoever went the furthest on the course the fastest. So if you went, you know, like to obstacle number five and you fell on obstacle five, anybody who made it to obstacle five is higher on the leaderboard than people who fell on obstacle four. But if you made it to obstacle five faster than somebody else that made it to obstacle five, then you would be higher than that person that went a little slower. And so they kind of backfilled the 30 spots with the people who went the furthest, the fastest. And then with city finals, they take that top 30 and they narrow that down even further. It's a longer course. So instead of six obstacles, they bump it up to 10 obstacles. Most of the first ones are similar. They might tweak it a little bit or they might change it out a little bit, but then they add four more rather difficult obstacles um, on the back end because then it's like, all right, you're, you know, we're gonna test you even further. And then again, if you hit that buzzer, you're automatically through. Most times 15 people don't hit that buzzer. And uh, for a long time, it was the top 15 then would move on to the Las Vegas finals. The, Last year that I did, I think season uh, season 11, it was a top 12. So they actually reduced that a little bit. And then uh, this season, I'm not sure what it is actually. Um, and then last season was just completely modified because of COVID and the pandemic. So, um, but typically it's like 12 to 15 from each city, then move on to Vegas. And then in Vegas, you have four stages. So, and then there is no backfilling of positions that move on in Vegas. In Vegas, if you don't hit the buzzer, that's it. So like if nobody completes stage one, then the show is done, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then you have the top 12 to 15 from each city, which is usually five to six cities or so. And then you go through stage one. If you hit the buzzer in stage one, you advance to stage two. You hit the buzzer in stage two, you advance to stage three. Uh, hit the buzzer in stage three. The final stage is stage four. It's like an 80 foot rope climb that you have to do in like 25 seconds or something like ridiculous. <laughs> um, and, you know, we've only had two seasons, I think, in 13 or no, this is 13, two seasons in 12 um, that, you know, somebody has actually made it all the way through. Mm -hmm. So very challenging. Um, yeah. And, you know, the stages just kind of keep getting harder and harder, um, as they go. So if you had to, can you climb that rope? Uh, I don't know. I've never even tried it to be honest. <laughs> I know I could climb it. Um, I don't know if I could climb it in 25 seconds. I'll just say uh, that. Well, after doing the course too. So yeah. And there's, <laughs> there's breaks in between. So, you know, okay. we'll, you, you film stage one and then the next night is stage two type of thing. So you're not like running them back to back to back. Yeah. Um, so, but there's a little bit of a break in there. Um, yeah, but it, it's still, still uh, physically demanding for sure. 
So I know you can't tell us because you've you've uh, filmed your first episode for this yes. season, and you yep. can't tell us what happened. Correct. So everyone's going to have to watch to see what happens. Yep. Uh, do you know when that airs yet? So the premiere for this year is May 31st. That's on NBC. It'll be prime time. So it's uh, 8, 7 central on NBC. The first episode is May 31st. I believe that's a Monday. And then it'll be the basically weekly after that. So every Monday, uh, there are five qualifier episodes this year and I'm in the fifth one. So I'll be five weeks later. Um, it's, so towards the end of June is the episode that I'll be in. Um, but yeah, so it starts May 31st. All right. What city did you run in? Um, so this year, because of the pandemic, uh, they actually didn't do cities. So uh, we're kind of in a unique situation now. So we all flew out to Tacoma, Washington, and filmed all the qualifier episodes in Tacoma. So all in one shot. And so they didn't necessarily travel around to the cities this year. Um, and so they, they basically did regions instead of cities. So, okay. you know, there's going to be like the, the West coast, the East coast, Southeast, Midwest, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, it's a little bit different this year, uh, just because of the situation we're in, you know, we'll see how that plays out in future years, but yeah, it's with this, it's been interesting because normally, you know, there's crowds, there's people cheering for you. Like you have your friends and family mm -hmm. in the, in the crowd, but uh, last season and this season, because of COVID, uh, athletes only. So there are no crowds. Uh, they had a live stream with my wife and my parents, you know, so they put them up on the screen, you know, but they're not there. So, um, you know, it's just total live feed. Uh, so it's just you and the course, the announcers and a couple of your ninja buddies on the sideline helping you out. So it's, it's, it's been an interesting experience. I think they've done a really good job considering the circumstances to yeah. be able to still put it together and make it happen. Um, but it, it will be nice when we can have the crowds there again and have them cheering, cheering you on. Yeah. Well, uh, I could say we're cheering you on here. Um, so May 31st, the premiere of American Ninja Warrior. Uh, I wish you luck. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Um, I know, I know it's busy with everything going on with the foundation and American Ninja Warrior and your actual job. So yep. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it um, and good luck to you. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to talk and spread my message and you know, uh, hopefully people enjoy it and um, cross my fingers for more buzzers. Definitely, all right, thank you. Guys, there you have it. There's the episode with Andrew Rue Yori. Uh, I hope you guys liked it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you check out uh, American Ninja Warrior. If you're not a fan of the show, if you don't check it out already, uh, at least check out his episode. Um, so what I believe the episode is going to be July 5th. Uh, again, I don't know how far he got. I don't know if he's going to be shown on the show. Um, I believe, if anything, he, you will see him on the sidelines with some of his other ninja friends cheering on other ninjas. Um, but uh, you can check him out. Like there, You can check out some of his old stuff on YouTube. That, um, and I believe we talked about it on the episode. Again, I recorded this months ago. Um, but there's some stuff on YouTube uh, showing him and some of his old runs. Uh, so good luck to Andrew, Rue, 
I hope I hope he makes it through. I'm going to check it out and we'll talk about it on the podcast after the episode airs and we'll kind of come together and see how what happened. So um, thanks. Thanks. Words, guys, words. It's been a long day and I'm not going to edit that out. I'm just going to let it run. We're just going to have some fun here. Uh, thank you. Guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, please tell people about the show. If you're from Crystal Lake, share it with other people from Crystal Lake, McHenry, Woodstock, Cary, all over McHenry County. I really appreciate it. Um, don't forget to check out our sponsor, McHenry County Living. Um, what else? Subscribe, rate, review. Give me some reviews. Check out the Facebook page. Uh, all that good stuff. If you guys have any episode suggestions, any places that you want me to check out, or if you're interested in being on the show, if you're involved in anything uh, locally, like we did the Woodstock Pride episode, which is tomorrow as I'm putting this together, um, or if you uh, just have any good business suggestions, places that you haven't heard from that you want me to talk to, or if you own a business and you want to be on the show, I welcome you to come on the show. Uh, email me, left at the light pod at gmail.com. Again, my name is Matt. All right, so that's that's it for me. That's it for me. I'm going to get out of here. You guys, just, just enjoy yourselves. Have a great week. Look forward to uh, the next episode. So take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We'll see you next time. This was Left at the Light. <laughs>